Hello everyone, welcome to the Startup and Career Show, the podcast where we discuss everything about startup and corporate life with founders and business leaders who share their real life experiences. Today we have with us Dr. Srikant Sola, a cardiologist doctor turned green tech entrepreneur. Welcome to the podcast, doctor. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. So to all our listeners, let me briefly introduce doctor to all of you. So Dr. Srikant founded Devic Earth a green tech company offering scientifically tested solutions for environmental pollution in 2018. He pioneered this air purifying revolution in India through radio waves technology. A cardiologist by profession, doctor developed the technology that was inspired by cardiac ultrasound. And the success of this technology compelled him to leave the full-time practice and turn to entrepreneurship. Welcome once again, doctor. Thank you, you Rishabh. So, Dr. Srikant, to begin with, can you talk about your journey as a medical professional and also as a cardiologist, what was the spark that had led you to become a green tech entrepreneur? Sure, sure. You know, becoming a cardiologist is a long road. Uh, after graduating from 12th in the United States, it took me uh, 15 years to become a cardiologist. Four plus four in, in BSc in medical school, three years of of uh, internal medicine residency and four more years of cardiology fellowship. So it's not for the faint of heart, <laughs> a lot of training and a lot of studying. You, uh, I love to take exams, I think. And uh, I was lucky because I was able to work at some of the top uh, colleges, universities and schools in the country in the United States. I graduated from Stanford. Part of my medical school training was at Harvard, uh, was at Duke University, then went on to the Cleveland Clinic, which is the top institute for heart care in the entire world. And you're really surrounded by the best of the best. Uh, but what I saw there is that while we were doing amazing work, a lot of that work was not reaching uh, the poorest of the poor. You know, my, my patients were, um, you know, the royal family of Jordan. Uh, they were people from the, the, the CEOs of the Fortune 500 companies, and that was great. Um, it was lovely to take care of professional athletes and tennis superstars, NBA basketball superstars and stuff. But I was really missing serving the poorest of the poor. And so in 2008, I moved back to India with my family to Bangalore to work at the Sethisai Super Hospital here, uh, which is entirely free hospital. Everything is state-of-the-art in terms of equipment and care, but it's all free care. And what happened? You know, in, in the U.S., we have this saying when someone from India lands in 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 the U.S. and it's their first week, we call them FOBs, which means fresh off the boat. So I was a, a FOB from the U.S. and in India. You know, I would walk on the right side of the hallway and I would drive my scooter on the right side of the road just because it took me a while to figure out <laughs> where I needed to go. But in my first week, I remember still today, I saw a young man who was just 28 years old. He had a heart attack due to air pollution. We did all the usual evaluations and so forth. And he was a shoe cobbler who was repairing sandals on the side of the street, breathing in vehicle fumes all day long. Now, we did his angioplasty operation, and he did very well. In fact, a couple of days later, he walked out of the hospital healthy and fit. And I gave myself a pat on the back. Remember, it was my first week there. A few days later, though, the same thing happened. This time, it was a 32-year-old man also uh, with the heart attack due to air pollution. He was a taxi driver. We also did his angioplasty operation, but he died 
right on the table, right in front of me. And I had to go explain to the family, his wife, four-year-old daughter, his two parents, I'm sorry, we did everything we could, but we could not save him. And that really drove home to me. You know, as a physician, I would read about the health effects of air pollution. You know, air pollution kills 7 million people every year. It causes so many billions of dollars loss in direct and indirect healthcare costs. That we knew as numbers. But here I was seeing it for real life. And then that's how, that it was my patients who got this started. I realized that, man, I'm a cardiologist. I can do angioplasty operations and send patients to the ICU all day long, but it's a drop in the bucket. And so because I had a strong biomedical or biotechnology uh, foundation from my work in the U.S., I was able to put together a team of physicists and scientists and engineers from India uh, who were, and together we developed this technology, pulsed radio waves to mitigate air pollution across large areas. And the goal has always been to reach people who are just like that shoe cobbler, just like that taxi driver. How do we bring clean air to the people who are most affected by air pollution. And that's what we've done now. Wow, that, that's pretty impressive, doctor, because uh, how many people actually take this step, right? I mean, here you had a flamboyant career out there as a doctor. You took a decision to come back to India. And again, as you mentioned, you know, it's like a drop in a bucket. I would say rather not just a drop in a bucket, drop in an ocean. Right. I mean, because these are huge numbers that you spoke about, right? Uh, people dying due to air pollution. But doctor, uh, taking a step back, you know, specifically in today's world of social media, you know, there is something called as instant gratification. What made you stick on this subject of air pollution and carry out this research for 10 long years before you actually set up Devikert? Yes, that's right. You know, from 2008 to 2018, we slogged and we labored. And remember, I'm a, I was a full-time cardiologist. So all of my research work had to be done before 8 a.m. and after 5.30 p.m. <laughs> that's how I had to work because the rest of the time I was too busy with patients. And, you know, we had research funding. The Ministry of Environment and Forest supported us. The Central Pollution Control Board gave us a lot of expertise. Uh, Honeywell and other organizations came forward with support as well. And that made it so much easier because uh, we saw that what we were doing was working. In the laboratory, we were able to bring pollution down. Uh, and then when we did field studies, wow, it was like amazing. You know, this really works. The principle is, is quite simple. Um, you see pollution of many different types they that float around in the air. Uh, these microscopic pollutant particles, what scientists call particulate matter of 2.5 and, 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 and 10 microns in size, PM10, 2.5. It's regulated by pollution control boards across the world because it damages health. These particle pollutants have small charges on them, just like magnets, you know, positive and negative charges. And what happens in nature is because of these forces, they collide together and now they're bigger. And because they're larger and heavier, they settle to the ground. And this is a process which takes care of about two thirds of most pollutants in the air. Scientists call it dry deposition. Now, what we did is looking at ultrasound, I said, you know what, in ultrasound, when we send continuous ultrasound, ultrasound is just sound energy, like what we use for looking at babies inside a pregnant mother's womb. Uh, when we use it for 
continuous ultrasound, it does one thing, but when we pulse it, especially when we pulse it a certain way, we can do really amazing things. So for example, when someone comes in with kidney stones, we can actually destroy the kidney stones using pulsed ultrasound. It's called lithotripsy. I do a lot of work with MRI scanners. I take MRI uh, scans of the heart to see uh, what kind of diseases patients have. It's like a, so that when the surgeon comes in to do their surgery, it's like a Google map. They know exactly where they need to go and where the surgery needs to be done. That's all pulsed radio wave energy. And so what we figured out is this pulsed radio wave energy basically increases the negative charges on these particle pollutants, makes them uh accelerate their collision by about six to seven fold so they settle out of the air much faster we're basically speeding up what happens in nature but now i just said that in 30 seconds but believe me it took like 10 years to figure that, that whole process out how to do it reliably uh, effectively uh, make sure it was safe and applicable in all sorts of climatic conditions right from zero degrees up to 60 degrees centigrade that's what took us 10 long years to figure out now why did we decide to make it into a commercial aspect and, and you know what would make a cardiologist leave his profession something he loves so much is when data started coming in showing that in hospitals or in places where our uh, system was placed not only did pollution reduce by 50% or so, but also rates of upper, upper respiratory tract infections, uh, emergency room visits for asthma, but even hospitalizations for heart attack and stroke dropped by 30 or 33%. And I realized, man, there's no medicine I can give that can improve or reduce the rate of, of, of that kind of severe illness you know, that much. And that's what caused me to start our company, Devic Earth. Wow. That, that's awesome, doctor. But the thing is, the fact that you give 10 years, you know, because that is itself is a big thing because in today's day and age, everything, you know, people want it very quick and fast. You know, <laughs> even, even the grocery yeah, deliveries have come down to 10 minutes now. <laughs> You've given 10 years on research. <laughs> you know, it, I think uh, I, I tell my team a lot, be patient, be patient, be patient. And, and that's really what we need. If you have a clear vision, uh, one of my teachers told me first to be clear, then everything will follow automatically. And because I think I had that clarity, it didn't happen right away. But over time, I developed that clarity of the vision that I want. What was the vision? I wanted to save 1 million lives every year from deaths from due to air pollution. That was my vision. I had that clarity and I had the patience and the ability to do that in a very special environment that supported me. And that's how we were able to make it into fruition. Wow, awesome. So doctor, uh, if, you, if you can talk about specifically the product that you've created, Kiosk Eyes, you know, what it is, uh, and, and uh, you did mention about the idea that the way it came out, right, uh, over the years of research. But can you explain your product in greater detail? Sure. So David Earth is a green technology company and our commercial product is called Pure Skies. Everything for us is about purity, bringing the earth, the air, the water back to its original state of purity. And what it is, is, as I mentioned, it uses pulsed radio waves. There's no moving parts. There's no fans or filters. We don't collect any pollutants. It just settles down to the ground, which is what happens in nature anyway. And over the years, we moved entirely to the Wi-Fi range. 
so that it's actually just pulsed Wi-Fi. It's like a very high-end Wi-Fi router, very, very high-end Wi-Fi router filled with artificial intelligence and 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 the latest technologies. Um, it, it's more of, a, right now, it's still a lot to work is done manually, but as we move forward, there'll be a lot of more AI and ML coming into the system. Uh, the systems are IoT enabled, so we can track where they are across the world. And then we look at data of pollution and what's happening at the customer sites. All of this technology comes together to result in air quality improves by usually 50% or more at customer site. And one machine is able to clean to up to about two acres. Now that's huge. That's a huge amount. I mean, the traditional fan filter-based systems clean, can clean the, an area the size of a tennis court, you know, but these systems are cleaning up to two acres, line of sight. Now, obviously, if there are buildings and so forth in the way, then the amount of area is less. But what we do is we typically just place these in a grid across the customer's location, and we cover their area to make sure they have cleaner. So we're able to cover you know, installations of 250 acres, 500 acres, 750 acres, and improve air quality by more than half, or oftentimes much more, in a very cost-effective manner. Wow, that, that's pretty impressive, Doctor. But uh, you mentioned that uh, uh, pollutants actually settle down on Earth, right? And this is the natural process as well. Right. But having said that, uh, does it, and this is, pardon my ignorance of the subject, but uh, once they uh, settle down, uh, does that have any side effects on the soil or the vegetation? Sure. So that's a great question. Uh, generally, what happens is, is uh, most of these particle pollutants, once they're settled down, then local chemical reactions take place and they, they're rendered ineffective or inert in a sense. But you would have seen, you know, you would have seen vehicles driving by on dusty roads right? And then dust gets kicked up again. That's called resuspension of particle pollutants. That fortunately does not happen with our technology to a significant degree. As long as the system is on, we don't see this kind of kicking up of dust or resuspension of dust. That's really important. The other thing that's really important is that our technology has a size limit. It really only works on the small microscopic particles. Technically, anything more than 20 to 30 microns is not affected by our technology. So pollen, for example, is not affected. It also means that, you know, volcanic dusts and other larger sources of, of dust would not be affected. We don't have too many volcanoes around us, but, you know, that's not where this technology is for. It's for the microscopic pollution that affects all of us on a day-to-day -day life. And the World Health Organization says that 99% of us are breathing polluted air. So it's something that affects everyone. Oh, so it's not just uh, a problem centric to India or the developing world, but Everywhere. It's, yes, it's not Delhi, it's not just the north, it's uh, almost every country throughout. And if, basically, if you live in a remote area where your neighbors are uh, penguins and polar bears, you're probably okay. But for the rest of us, uh, air quality globally has uh, gotten bad. And that's because air pollution travels far. Uh, remember when the California wildfires happened uh, last year, now they're happening every year. But the pollution from those wildfires on the west coast of the United States travels several thousand kilometers to the east coast of the United States. So pollution, you know, it's not a local issue. It's actually a global issue. Wow. Got it. Got it. So, Doctor, uh, how does the system know when is the pollution on a higher side on a given day and when is the air much cleaner? Mm -hmm. How does it recognize? Yes, that's a great question. So in addition to our pollution control units, and these units are small, they're the size of an RO filter, 
uh, that you used for water, maybe like a size of a small microwave. Uh, the original units were one meter by one meter cubed and weighed 222 kilograms. Now they're just eight to nine kilograms and, and entirely powered by solar when used outdoors. So lots of advances thanks to our engineering team. Uh, but the system also includes an air quality monitor if required to independently measure the air quality, send feedback to us so we know what's happening, and then take in other parameters like temperature, humidity, wind speed, which can also affect air pollution. We find that some of our customers, uh, they may be, we, we work a lot with heavy industries, polluting industries, mm. you know, the ones that have, may create the most amount of industries. They want to reduce pollution, not only because they don't want to get fines, they want to avoid nuisance complaints, but because something very beautiful is happening companies across the world are moving towards sustainability they're embracing sustainability like we've never seen and especially in the last year every company is, is focusing on sustainability in a big way and they want clean air as part of their sustainability initiatives so we show them the data they can um, have access to the same data on an app and many times we do independent measurements of the air pollution levels by another third-party engineering company so that there's validation, uh, independent validation of the pollution levels. So 50% reduction is what we typically get. If we don't get that, I, I feel bad. Wow. <laughs> awesome. So doctor, uh, does pure skies have any radiation concerns? Because you said that when you install it outdoor, right? Because generally we have heard mm -hmm. about mobile towers, right? Many people refuse uh, putting it towers yeah, in the yeah. public uh, areas mm -hmm. and all. So does this have any radiation concerns? Sure. You know, when we initially developed Pure Skies, we were using uh, frequencies in the cell phone range. But as the technology advanced, we shifted entirely to the Wi-Fi range. Uh, one, because Wi-Fi is safe. The World Health Organization has uh, found that there are no human or environmental effects of Wi-Fi when used within certain limits. Number two, regulation is the same across the world. So it makes it easy for us to use Wi-Fi and the hardware is easily available. So it makes good sense, both economically as well as from a safety perspective to use pulsed Wi-Fi. And that's what we've been doing. And of course, all of this has been tested. The units are CE marked for safety and have passed through the usual rigorous testing by independent uh, certification bodies. Got it, got it. So doctor, uh, moving on, uh, how is Pure Skies different from any other air purifier available in the market? You know, because uh, while I was going through mm -hmm. the net, I think I found out there are many manufacturers as well, right, who, are, who do provide air purifiers. Right. So how is this very different? Sure. You know, when you have fan-based systems, whether you put in a filter or you have some systems that don't use filters or you have some systems that use very fancy types of filters, those all work really well in controlled indoor spaces. You know, if I have an office or a bedroom in my home, and I place an air filter there, that'll work fine. But that might cover 300, 500, max 800 square feet. Mm -hmm. But how does that affect that shoe cobbler? How does that affect that taxi driver? They're not going to benefit from that. What we're looking at is creating clean air at scale for millions of people at a time. And that's what we're able to do using pulsed radio wave technology. Because it's in the pulse to Wi-Fi range, it's very safe and very easy to use, but we can scale it to cover one kilometer, five kilometer, 10 kilometer, you know, as, as large as required uh, to make sure that everyone cleans, breathes clean air. Now, one thing to note is that 
when it comes to air pollution, the very first thing to do is to reduce pollution at the source. So get polluting vehicles off the road, make sure your factories and industries are complying with pollution control norms, uh, make sure you have a very good solid waste management system so that rubbish is not piling up on the sides of the roads and then people set fire to it. Uh, these are all things that are part of a good air pollution control system. And so this means that that it's not just the state pollution control board, but people from solid ways, people from the road transport authority, people from uh, different departments work together to create clean air. But when those measures are not sufficient, then technology like Pure Skies can be helpful in pollution hotspots to improve air quality. Interesting. Interesting. So doctor, uh, why do you think these outdoor air purifiers have not succeeded in India? Because I, I remember a government had launched something called as Vayu, right? Uh, 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 mm -hmm. A product out there. And uh, there were mixed reviews uh, for the product. So any, any thoughts on that? There have been a number of, uh, of uh, attempts to use a, some kind of fan-based system with or without filters to improve air quality outdoors. It works really well indoors, but the problem with outdoors is that it's a huge volume of air, huge amount of air to be cleaned. And number two, that air is always moving, right? So there's wind, that wind is always moving. Even if it's a still night, the wind is still moving at one or two or maybe three meters per hour. So it's a second, sorry, it's still moving. So how do you affect air when it's just always moving? And then third is, if I live on the ground floor, how do I provide clean air for someone who lives, say, on the 20th floor of a building, right? That air purifier down at street level is not going to do anything for the person on the 20th floor. So you need solutions that are completely out of the box, beyond what we've traditionally thought. See, if what I, I tell my team is, if we're going to achieve something we've never achieved before, then we have to do things that we've never done before. That means we have to look differently. Fans and filters are not going to clean the air outdoors. It just doesn't happen. Imagine if I put a bunch of split ACs outdoor when the weather is 40 degrees. You know, if you're standing right in front of the AC, you might feel cool. But if you're more than a few feet away, you will still feel 40 degree temperature, right? So you need a different way of thinking, a different way of looking at it. And that's where having a multidisciplinary team coming from medicine, in this case, cardiology, with expertise in pulse radio waves from MRI, with physicists and, and chemists and, and environmental engineers and radio frequency engineers and electronics engineers and all these people working together have been able to create this technology. Now, what people say is that I was the inventor, but really, I think the credit for making this technology so usable, so user-friendly, so plug-and-play goes to our engineering team for making it just simple and easy. True, true. Absolutely. Uh, doctor, moving on, can you talk about the challenges that you faced while developing the product? Because as you mentioned, right, you were creating a different kind of a solution to a problem which was not tried before. So specific challenges that you uh, overcome. Sure. I, I think there was the technical challenge of doing something brand new, right? And, uh, you know, when you do something new, you need some kind of validation. So getting research publications, for example, in peer-reviewed international journals, those take time and they continue to take time, but that's a key focus. Uh, that's Those are the technical aspects, finding time uh, to do research. And in research, there's a saying, if it's not about the money, 
it's about the money, meaning you need funds to do research. And, and we got really lucky. We were able to, uh, I was able to get a decent amount of funding from various sources in the early days to move this work forward. Now, on the other hand, there are the personal challenges. So, for example, coming from a, a high-end cardiologist, a high-performing cardiologist, who wants to take that leap literally off a cliff uh, into starting a startup, which may or may not succeed uh, with very little salary or no salary for the first few months to years, um, that was a big challenge. Luckily, we were able to plan for that, um, living simply and frugally for some time so that we would manage without, uh, without well, with some difficulty, with not too much difficulty, until we were able to get things going. So there are going to be personal challenges, and there are going to be uh, technical challenges, but that's part of every startup founder's journey. Absolutely, absolutely, Doctor. So, Doctor, uh, moving on, can you talk about your revenue model? How are you uh, providing this product? Is it as a service or is it uh, how does it work? Sure. You know, Dave Eckert is all about innovation and the technology is based on innovation. And so we applied that same principle of innovation to our business model. We looked at sales and we tried that for a while, but we said, you know, this is not really the way to go, especially with the new technology. And then we decided to shift to a subscription model. So you can subscribe to Pure Skies, you can subscribe to Clean Air, just like how you subscribe to Netflix or Amazon Prime. You pay, if it's indoors, you pay on a per square foot basis. If it's outdoors, you pay, pay on a per acre basis. And it becomes very affordable. You know, the company doesn't have to worry about big cap expense, capex uh, cost. Uh, we take care of all the installation maintenance. We guarantee a certain level of performance. Uh, so it makes it really low risk for our customers. And typically what happens is the customer will say, okay, fine, we'll try it for six months or whatever. And then they say, this is great. We'll take a one year, two year subscription. And that's a common experience that we have. Got it. Got it. That's, that's very interesting and innovative. You've made a Netflix out of a air purifier. Yes. Wow. <laughs> so doctor, uh, moving on, uh, see the air quality, especially if I were to talk about, uh, uh, you know, especially Delhi NCR, right? Uh, because that's where the maximum mm -hmm. news also happens, right? About pollution. Uh, and every year it happens due to stubble burning and all. So these monitoring technologies that are coming up, right? Uh, will it cover the whole expanse of different states, cities? So how, how will this uh, help in addressing at a city level? Sure. So we were discussing recently with the Committee for Air Quality Management in Delhi and one of the questions that was asked is, uh, can you do this for the entire city? And I laughed and I said, no, 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 ma'am, that's not uh, how we work. Uh, as you know, and these are all experts that we were talking to, the first principle in improving air quality is always to reduce air pollution at source. And to their credit, um, in fact, even just today, they've announced huge changes in uh, air quality management, getting rid of old vehicles, uh, getting rid of coal in the national capital region and so forth, a number of other measures that will have uh, positive impacts on air quality. However, there are hotspots which I do to local geographical variations or heavy traffic density or local patterns in wind, whatever, you get pollution hotspots. And it's in such areas that technology can be an adjunct to the usual measures to control air pollution. Got it, got it. So, Doctor, uh, what are the other innovative green tech products uh, which are likely to be coming out from Devic Earth's table? 
Sure, our team was working really hard to miniaturize the technology. As I mentioned, we went from 222 kilograms for the first generation unit to just eight to nine kilograms for the second generation unit. Our, uh, what we call Pure Skies 2.0 is launching in a few months, which is uh, essentially two antennas uh, so broadcasting. So it's sort of like how two COVID vaccines are better than one, the same principle. And then what we're really excited about is a handheld product that's maybe the size of your uh, car keys. You know, when you have the car keys with the uh, electronic button, you push that locks and unlocks it, that size. And uh, so basically you would have pure skies and mini pure skies in your pocket. It won't cover two acres. It might cover a 50 meter radius, but that's still enough to cover an entire house. And so wherever you go, whether you go to school, to work, uh, to the gym, uh, to the shopping mall or movie theater, wherever you go, you would have an air purifier in your pocket. And that's what we're working on now. In fact, we won the Karnataka Elevate 2021 award to develop this product. Something else that we're really excited about is climate change and our carbon dioxide mitigation project. CO2, as you know, is the main greenhouse gas responsible for the current climate crisis. And in the R&D stages, we have a product which is able to mitigate uh, CO2 levels by about a third. Um, and right now we're working on how to make this more effective and capture that carbon dioxide in, a, uh, in an economically feasible way. Interesting. Interesting, Doctor. And what are your expansion plans with Devikert? So we we are very clear. Devik Earth has to be just like what iPhone has done or Apple has done for phones, what Tesla has done for electric vehicles. Devik Earth wants to do for green technology. And that means we want to be the global leader in green tech. We're always looking for bright minds, you know, super intelligent people, hardworking people. Um, this is what we want. And to do that, uh, we want to then bring our technology across the world so that millions of people can have clean air, clean water, and so on to breathe. We've already expanded our first international uh, expansion or first international installation took place in Chile. Uh, about two months ago. We're very pleased with that. Uh, I flew all the way to South America to get that installation done in the middle of the Atacama Desert in northern uh, Chile, the driest place in the world. And now we're expanding into other countries across Europe uh, and North America as well. So it's really exciting and it's a lot of fun. One thing we've learned is we have to remain focused. And, and for all of those who are interested in startups, I would say maintain focus. Don't try to do everything well, just try to do one thing well. You know, remember when iPhone came out, uh, there was just had one model, right? There was just one model of an iPhone. Nokia at that time had 40 different models for both their domestic and international markets. Today, where is Nokia? And where is the iPhone for Apple, right? So really maintain that focus. Don't go too broad. And that's something that we've learned along the way. True, true. Very, very well said, doctor. Indeed, the case. Doctor, there are a few questions in the chat box and I'll read out uh, for you as well. So the, there are a few sure. listeners. So I think there's this listener called as Misty and she's asked, Good evening, Dr. Srikant. Your journey is very inspiring. I loved your early education pathway. Being a student, I would love to understand your experience in the medicine field. Sure. So uh, uh, if you're thinking about going into medicine... <laughs> be prepared for a long, hard slog. But within medicine, there's so many different specialties, right? Not just a doctor, there's a various, there's a various um, 
paramedical uh, uh, specialties, as well as uh, biotechnology and other related fields as well. Now, um, when you go, those of you who are like an undergraduate right now who are listening, you will find that if you go on to a PG uh, level course, that the amount of work increases exponentially. And that's how it is in medicine. You're expected to read an entire textbook that is a thousand pages and know all of it. And that's for like six or seven courses every semester. <laughs> and it's a huge amount of work. Uh, typically, uh, when I was doing my um, specialty rotations in the hospitals, my day would start at uh, 4.30 in the morning so I could reach the hospital by 5.15, uh, start rounding on patients that is seeing patients, and then I would come back home the next day at 8 p.m. and then start all over again. So very grueling schedules that we would go through, um, but it teaches you uh, perseverance, it teaches you patience, and remember it's, it's patience I think that has helped Vedic Earth to succeed to this level. True, true. Then we have another question from Rahul, and he asked, uh, Hi, Dr. Srikant, this is wonderful. It's very rare that we have such accomplished doctors like you switch such extensive and well-defined career paths to build something like what you have done. Highly inspired. Thank you. Thank you. Then Shweta, uh, one of our listeners, has asked, Doctor, this kind of clean tech companies are lesser in number. Of course, we do have ample of green tech tools, but not technologies that target wider reachability. How is the manufacturing process handled at your end? How are you making sure that the people are aware about companies and technologies like Devic Earth exists? Mm -hmm. So th that's a great point. A couple of uh, thoughts there. First is that green technology and clean tech, green tech is exploding now. Um, if you look at uh, funding opportunities, uh, many of you have heard, for example, that uh, companies, startups are in a funding winter. That means that venture capital firms are not funding as much as they were before, except for startups that are working in the ESG space, sustainability space, because there's a huge amount of interest. And this is really the need of the day. Climate change is probably the most pressing uh, uh, problem that the world faces today. Um, air pollution kills eight or nine million people every year. That's several times more than die due to COVID every year. So these are huge problems and there's a huge amount of funding going into them. So if you're going to go into ESG, into sustainability, this is the right time to do so. The second point is manufacturing. Every company has options to manufacture internally or externally. We do a little bit of both, but we do a lot of assembly in-house at our own facility. And then your third question is, how do you help other people to know about what you're doing? And that's a long, hard slog. That means marketing. It means uh, public relations. It means going out and meeting people at various events and forums, meeting key opinion leaders or KOLs and having a strategy to engage with them so that they know the great work that you're doing. So again, be patient because it takes that much time and energy for people to get the word out. But if you're doing good work, your customers will be your best brand ambassadors. True, true. Absolutely. Then Anand, there is a comment from Abdul, a listener. He says that it has been so inspiring to get to listen to you. I guess somebody has said it already. However, I'd say it again, that it's one in a blue moment to see people like you with such rich education experience take a career change and do it so consciously. Thank you. That's very sweet of you. And Ketan has another question. And he says, 
Doctor, how does the collaboration process work with the CSR teams and sustainability verticals for the deployment of these technologies? That's a great question. Now, so sustainability and the CSR teams in a particular company will often be very different and they will have very different agendas or uh, you can say targets that they need to reach. Most companies for their CSRs will already have well-defined activities that they want to work in. So for example, water, uh, women's empowerment, education, healthcare, and so forth. Uh, but when it comes to sustainability, you have the ear of the CEO, of the managing director. You have a direct uh, phone line into the board of directors. Why? Because every board of director now has sustainability as part of their key results area. In fact, sometimes, oftentimes, their remuneration, how much they're paid, is often tied to how well did their company meet their sustainability goals. So it's not a joke. It's not a small thing. And there's a lot of money behind this from industries. And this is a good thing, meaning that that industries are putting, uh, you know, they're, they're walking their talk, so to speak. And we're seeing companies look at all sorts of ways. How do we go carbon neutral? How do we increase our use of renewable energy? How do we turn water positive and generate more water than we consume, whether it's through rainwater harvesting? How do we prevent polluted water from going out of our plant or become even a zero discharge, zero liquid discharge units where no polluted water goes out? So these are questions that every big company is asking. And if you're working in sustainability, this is the right time. Awesome. So, Doctor, we've covered all these uh, questions from our listeners. Uh, but I, ha I have uh, one more question to ask you specifically about what are these new technologies that are coming in in this green tech space to make Earth a better place to live in? Any thoughts on that? I think there are a lot of people doing this. You know, there, there's, and it's, it's so exciting because every day you see a new approach to healing the Earth. Um, whether it's different technologies for carbon capture, uh, ways to make solar and wind more effective. We've even had uh, even seen fold-up uh, wind uh, uh, windmills that can be put into a backpack and you can then charge, say, a cell phone or a couple of lights and so forth using wind power. Everyone's coming up with all sorts of great ideas. You would have seen these robotic machines that are like little itty-bitty boats that go and suck up pollution on the uh, lakes, uh, surfaces of, of waterways and so forth. And I was just in Kashmir and saw these machines doing the same things, cleaning up the lake. Everybody is doing something. And I think what's so beautiful is that we will develop localized solutions for uh, environmental concerns that really meet those. And I think as time goes along, we'll select the best winners and then economic pressures will bring those to scale of economy and bring costs down so that it's affordable for everyone. Just like that shoe cobbler, just like that taxi driver. True, true. I think it's uh, wonderful, doctor. And before you leave, uh, a last advice that you would want to give to all the students who are listening to you live. I would say, be joyful. In the last two and a half years, we've all forgot how to have joy in our life. And when we have that joy, it's already there. You just haven't found it. When you have that inner joy, then all of these great ideas, these wonderful insights, these fantastic uh, innovations, they'll come out on their own. But they come out when you're joyful. Wow. Awesome. 
Awesome. Thank you, Dr. Srikant, uh, for taking our time today uh, and be with us on this podcast. I think it was great speaking to you and learning about this, uh, you know, the way sustainability is actually changing the world. And thank you for taking our time today. Thank you, Ashab. It's been a pleasure. And thank you to all our listeners for joining us. We'll again be back next week. Signing off for now. Goodbye.